The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. Okay, welcome back to the Brandon Peters Show. Uh, this is going to be a continuation of the Rom-Com Roulette series we started uh, last week, uh, where we talked 2000s Return to Me, but we're going to check back in as Jessica Olsman, Greg Magood, and myself spin our wheel of Rom-Com and discuss another film in our little uh, pool that we picked. Enjoy. All right, so we will now spin the wheel again. Oh, sorry. Make the sound, Jessica. Or best you can. Okay, here we go. Spinning. Movie number two is... I don't hear Jessica's noise. It sounds like fish blowing bubbles. Like, what's uh, happening? I'm We're still spinning? It's like the Wheel of Fortune. The... Oh. Are you still spinning? Oh, okay. Yeah, landed on Return to Me again. All right. Our... <laughs> return to Return to Me. That's really easy. I'll just, I'll just co- copy and paste and add it on top of this. It oh. is the OG. It happened one night from 1934. <laughs> You expect to get to New York at the rate you're going. But that's none of your business. You're on a budget from now on. Not just a minute. You Shut up. You've got a name, haven't you? Yeah, I got a name. Peter Warren. Peter Warren. I don't like it. Don't let it bother you. You were giving it back to me in the morning. Take me with you, Peter. Take me to your island. I want to do all those things you talked about. You better go back to your bed. Uh, you mind if I try? You? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a smart Alex. Nobody knows anything but you. I'll stop a car and I won't use my thumb. What are you going to do? The system on my own. Directed by Frank Capra, written by Robert Riskin, based on a short story, I believe it's called Night Bus, by Samuel Hopkins Adams, starring Clark Gable, Claudette Colbert, Walter Connolly, Roscoe Carnes, Jameson Thomas, Alan Hale, Arthur Hoyt, uh, Blanche uh, Federici, uh, and Charles C. Wilson, a renegade reporter trailing a young runaway heiress for a big story, joins her on a bus heading from Florida to New York, and they end up stuck with each other when the bus leaves them behind at one of the stops. This is uh, the first movie to do the big sweep at the Academy Awards uh, winning Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Adaptation, and what was called 
Outstanding Production, which now we know as Best Picture, um, is the is a clean sweep. And the only other movies to accomplish this are One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Silence of the Lambs. And I'll tell you, they Gone with the Wind probably could have, except Clark Gable. He didn't want to use a southern accent in that movie. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he basically sounded just like this movie. So if you watch Gone with the Wind and then you watch It Happened One Night, you'd be like, let's let's wrap Butler in there. It sure is. He he handed his Academy Award to a kid. He gave it to a kid on this. And that thing went around to the point where Steven Spielberg bought it and put it in the Academy Museum at one point because he needed to be there because he did not give a She's like, I want it. That's... I don't care. You know, he's like, get it, getting awarded the trophies, what I wanted, keeping it's not important. Um, wow. So, yeah, this movie uh, was also uh, everybody who worked on it, maybe except for Frank Capra, but the studio wasn't confident in it. Um, Claudette Colbert said, told a friend she just did the worst movie in the world. Clark Gable was not into it. He showed up drunk his first day, slowly got into it in the production. Um, he was on loan um, for uh, from MGM to Columbia Pictures uh, as a punishment for a, an affair he had with Joan Crawford or something like that. Uh, Claudette Colbert was on loan, like, and Columbia Pictures was a poverty studio at the time, so this movie was just seen as some dog shit, and it ends up changing. The world. I mean, this is the first real rom-com, first screwball comedy. Everything you see to this day is in this movie. Like, everything. I'm going to let... This is Jessica's pick, not mine. So I'm going to let her lead. You talk about it first. You guys guys talk about this. Let's do that. Every, you see everything from this This movie's been remade. There's a Jack Lemon one um, that is actually... So uh, this movie was part of the Columbia Classics Volume 3. So in the world of geeky collecting physical media, Columbia Pictures is Sony, Columbia, who owns Columbia Pictures now, every year puts out this Columbia Classics collection, which is six movies that haven't been put on 4K Ultra HD yet. And they, they doctor them up. They soup them up. They're these cool sets. They come with a coffee table book. Just everything you know. So this it happened one night. Doesn't have many much in terms of like interviews and everything, um, but they did have they put the Jack Lemon movie that's a remake of this. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, there's been radio plays of this. Uh, there's been homages like this is like the like there's a Bugs Bunny cartoon based on this. Um, it is the movie. Um, it was shot in four weeks. They overpaid Claudette Colbert because she didn't want to do it, but Capra needed wanted her so bad. The studio said, "Well, do you think you can shoot this in four weeks?" And then he said, "Yeah." He's like, "Didn't pay her." Um, but um, they, I mean, it's easy. It's a lot of this bus is a bus set and a cabin set, and you yeah. can doctor up other things to make it look right. But this is a movie with funny side characters. Um, the uh, you know. Uh, Curtain to the separating the rooms is in here. Yep. This is it. The one Walls of, my, of Jericho. Oh. The Walls of Jericho. One oh. of my favorite movies. Uh, Bandits with uh, Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, and Kate Blanchett uses this motif via a bed uh, with them. And Bruce Willis is like saw it in an old movie once. Um, this is that old movie. Uh, there, I mean, there's just so many little tropes that are invented here. It's just a, from that perspective, it's fascinating to watch. Um, 
to see. I mean, it's a good movie regardless. This is a this is a high tier uh, motion mm-hmm. picture. It cap one of Capra's best. I mean, the guy has a career of amazing films. Um, this is one of the his top tier ones of his early successes. Uh, Gable and her. I mean, you you see like. I love Roman Holiday. Roman Holiday doesn't exist without this. Like yeah. that is that is a completely that is a we have more money to do something like that take on this. We don't have to keep it on a bus. Um and that one has a a little bit different um like there's a different take on the ending. But this is two people not meant to fall for each other doing through some wacky adventure uh and you know, and there's the the mist the mistake of like, oh, he really wasn't in it for this. He was doing, you know, that whole thing. That always is a trope in these things coming. Uh, I mean, it definitely inspired the amazing film from 1987, uh, Spaceballs. Yeah, Spaceballs. The wedding scene in Spaceballs is it's right all there. Spaceballs. This yeah. whole movie. Is there she goes. Right, oh, there, right up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can go if you want. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's incredible. Like, just as a film history buff every every time i you know i i enjoy this for the picture it is but i also enjoy just seeing like this is magic because this is a thing that just you know there's knockoffs there's that guy just do it can you do it happen one night but then there's people literally inspired by this shit there's people that love this stuff that like to touch on it and say hi to this movie through their movies and i just i think it's great for this um the two, the two of them. I don't know if it's like fiery chemistry, but it works uh, yeah. between between the two of them. It's it's a good, yeah. it's a good, a uh, good thing that um, that they have going there, and uh, it's it, it it's a charmer. Like I, I don't know, I I just want to sit, sit and drool over it, but um, it is all the things you hear it is um, with things, and I don't even understand. Like I know. The younger generations have a have a hard time going back to these old films, but I don't understand how you can't just get caught up in something like this. This is like core level simple stuff, and it, and it's just catchy. It works. There's a lot of stuff that's very modern still, or works uh, in terms of the thematics of just human emotions and relations, and and growing up and fighting a system, fighting uh, you know rebelling from your parents, not doing what they want to do. Um, yeah, there's a lot of it there. But Greg, what your your thoughts on? Um, I hadn't seen this movie since I was like a preteen, to be honest, because I went through a phase where I'm like, I love the Oscar, so I went back and like watched things, but I hadn't seen it since then. So I knew that it was good, but re-watching it for this, I didn't realize how fresh it felt. It didn't even despite it being as old as it is, it felt fresh to me and the characters felt fresh. And I was surprised by how strong her character was in the movie. Um, She was a stronger character than I um, initially anticipated. Um, But I also appreciated that um, again, their, their relationship was organic in a certain way. Like they met on a bus. It wasn't like a giant contrived, like push them two together or somebody like, or he found the newspaper first and saw the reward and then did it. They met and had their little like banter before kind of their adventure even began, which again, I like. And even in the non, like the, the father character, who you would think you would hate mm-hmm. you surprisingly root for in this movie, um, which I wouldn't have expected. So there was a lot of surprises that I went with this one, um, but I won't go into all that. So 
yeah, rewatching it, it felt more modern than I expected. Um, the humor lands still to this day. Um, only like a few things I feel like mm, that's a little questionable for this day and age. Um, but beyond like a few certain like actions of like kind of male female dynamics of the movie, a lot of it still holds true. And as Brandon said, like a lot of movies, you feel the influence. And as I was watching it, I was remembering certain rom-coms going like, oh, that's where they got that from. And that's where they got that from. So you, you rewatching it made me appreciate other rom-coms on where they got certain inspiration from. So, um, I really enjoyed rewatching it. So thank you for making me do that. <laughs> yeah. The, the humor, there's the, one of my favorite moments and I still laugh every time I see it is the, when he's trying to put his stuff in the overhead and, and the bus driver is like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, you got me. Yeah. And the whole bus, <laughs> oh, yes. the whole bus loses it. Like, I love that moment. I'm like, that gets me every time. It's like one of the best. And Gable's perfect delivery on that like okay yeah like you don't speak you don't like i don't think a lot of people realize when you go back to movies like this they don't expect attitudes like that those attitudes have always been around like and they've always been in movies you just think you have this thing in your head of like codes and restrictions and stuff that you mentally think are there that aren't like people have personalities there they're all talking like this see you know going around like that that uh that cadence that this one does not have that cadence that would come with these later on too much, but uh, there's, yeah, he's got modern attitudes in with his character, like the way he speaks and some yeah. of the humor is too. Like that. I don't um, think a young person would be like, Oh my gosh, they really talk like that. Then yeah, they were humans. Yeah. But in real life, they would have cussed. Unfortunately, yeah. you couldn't cuss in the movies back then no. until Clark Gable drops. Damn. In 1939. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing though. I didn't expect Again, she her character was more feisty and fiery than I would have expected a woman to be in 1930. Right. Um, Because she pushed back. She pushed back on Clark Gable's character a lot and was proud of it. And also the fact that she ran away from her father and she's like a wealthy heiress, essentially. um, There wasn't like this villainy about her either. It was more of like. And it wasn't even like damsel in distress, even like nobody really treated her like a damsel in distress, um, like not even her father is like, I just want my baby back. Like it wasn't so much yeah. that she was um, like, oh, my God, she can't make it on her own. And I was really surprised because later on, especially in, I guess, the 40s and 50s and 60s, you see women being like, oh, a woman can't be out there on the streets alone. <laughs> but yet, and yet you have in this movie, like there isn't as much talk or panic about her running a running away from Miami to um, New York or whatever on a bus as it is like, I just want my daughter back. Um, and I don't want her like ruining her life by marrying a shitty man. Yeah. So there, like, a woman was respected in this movie. Like, wait a second. What era are we in right now? I'm just, it almost seems like we, we were more progressive in the thirties than we were in the forties, fifties and sixties with the way women were treated, at least in this movie, I guess gone with the wind is a different story, but still in this movie for it to be as successful as it was and to show kind of an independent woman. Surprising. Yeah. All right, Jessica, what this is your pick. So shoot, everything that we love. Um, (laughs) It's like, you know, this is what set, uh, like you said, it's a screwball comedy. I remember, remember we studied the, this in college and I was like oh my god I absolutely love this movie and I'm on my Clark Gable kick and Vivian Lee kick and I'm like how 
How might I not watch I had this? a section about that as well, too, when I was in college, yeah. Oh, and so. I was like, I love this so much. But you have, you know, she's rich. He literally keeps calling her brat the entire time. And while he's also kind of being a dick to her and, like, mm-hmm. talking down to her, because it's almost like, I'm going to be the stern father figure you need right now because I'm not into you sexually. I'm only going to make sure you're taken care of so I can get a better news story. Because the whole premise of this is uh, Clark Gable he plays a guy named Peter Warren, and uh, he gets fired, and he's like, that's fine. I'm going to write uh, this big news article now when he discovers that, you know, Ellie, yeah, Ellie, uh, she's a rich girl and just ran away. And she's going to go join her new husband in New York from Miami. So she's like hitchhiking, or not hitchhiking, taking a bus from Miami to New York. But when you're a rich girl and everybody knows you, that's like if Kim Kardashian was trying to, like, run away and... Mm-hmm go meet her new uh, husband in New York City. So yeah, no one had cell phones and stuff, but people were using pay phones or was it freaking a do-do-do-do-do-do-do? What do you call that? Telegram. Thank you. Telegram, yeah. Um, Which is so funny. Pony Express. Clark Gable's character is so funny because he's just stubborn and he probably was really drunk that first scene. I thought I was going to say, his character is a drunk. Was that... that originally in the script or did they add it because of him <laughs> yeah, yes yeah good question <laughs> no i go uh, we'll just say he's drunk because he got fired that's great um <laughs> but like he's such a dick that he like uh when he sends telegrams collect he still makes like his old boss pay for it and stuff which is so funny mm-hmm. um but the way they meet of course she's annoyed and he's annoyed because she took his seat and she's like what i'm a princess yeah um I get this seat. This is what I do. But I still can never get over the very beginning when she's trying to escape her dad. They're on a boat and she literally jumps off the boat and swims away, swims to shore to escape her father because he doesn't want her to get married to this, you know, twat, Um, which I don't know. He's probably a good guy. But like all movies, we don't care about that guy that she probably was in love with and decided to marry this aviator um, because now we're cheering for the new guy she meets like every other you know, rom-com going forward. Um, But again, there is no, I don't know. I think when you hate someone or you're irritated that much, there's always going to be that chemistry that could easily turn to love. So Mm. I I just love them kind of bickering at each other. I love that he talks down to her to an extent. Yeah. uh, Because she needs someone that's on her level. That's not afraid of her or her money, I guess. Uh, to put her in her place, if that makes sense. So it is a kind of, he talks down to her because he respects her and even notices, hey, you're pretty smart. You're a smart cookie. You're figuring this mm-hmm. out. He's calling her brat. Sometimes he's telling her to shut up. It's like, okay, it's a little hurtful, but she kind of needs it too. Mm-hmm. Um, Not need, you know, I feel so bad. I well, he's kind of like, you need to understand how real people operate outside right. of oh, your when he puts wealthy. her on a budget, it's so funny. Like, yeah. no, you're not going to spend your money on chocolate right now. You need to... What? Yeah, that's like, good stuff. Yeah, I love that. Like, how you think you're going to, how much you have? Like, but there's so much fast pace conversation uh, going on, all these random, you know, um, events keep happening. Like, they miss the bus because she gets off. She tells the driver, um, can you just wait for me, driver? I might be a little bit longer. Yeah. And put a little Alexis. And um, she comes out, and guess what? The bus is gone because the bus ain't waiting for anybody. It's got to get to New York. Right. So, but, you know, Clark Gable notices and he gets off the bus and waits for her and he figures out who she is and he's going to help her. And he's not in it for the money at all or to turn her in. He's wow. like, no, 
I'm going to make this a new story and I'm going to use it from your point of view. Tell me your story because yeah. I genuinely care and I'm good at my job. So it's like, oh, he's a decent human being. He's not in it to try to take advantage of her because she's very attractive. And the yeah. best part, my favorite scene is the walls of Jericho when they yeah. ended up having to stop at um, overnight and stay at a cabin because the bus breaks down or flooding or whatever. And he's trying to be respectful. He puts up the little uh, laundry, whatever you call it, laundry line, mm-hmm. the sheet, builds the walls of Jericho, sings Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. I love it. But when he starts to undress and explain to her how a man undresses yes. in 1934, that is probably the most scandalous thing. And then back in the day, you know, the rumor was when he took his shirt off or he took his shirt off, he wasn't wearing an undershirt. And that wasn't really heard of back then. Um, according to Snopes, this isn't true, but supposedly undershirts, like the sales of undershirts completely like plummeted because if Clark Gable's not wearing an undershirt. Yeah, this movie had, had, a, in the other man. had a like cultural oh. impact, uh, like phenomenon cultural, or like people wanted, like they spoke, th- like it was like common quotes and stuff from the movie doing things like, oh, I'm not gonna wear an undershirt. That's, he didn't have one. And, oh uh, my and gosh. It, it, is this the movie that invented the stick in the leg out for the, to catch the eye of the- Yes, I yeah. think so. Oh, Cause this so became funny. a, this was all cartoons, all that, like mm-hmm. it was a yeah. gag overdone. That's funny. Man's yeah. he's mansplaining how to hitchhike. Like you got to use your thumb like this, mm-hmm. baby. Keep your eye on the thumb. She's like, yeah, yeah. Watch this, and gets a car to stop immediately. And I love it so much. Um, God, there's so many great things about this. But they keep going on this journey. You know, like they have to spend the night like in uh, some hay or some straw, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, this is gonna wrinkle my clothes. And he's like, take them off. I don't care. So funny. Um, And it's like kind of, uh, you know, risque considering how he's talking to her for 1934. And never once does he cross the line. She doesn't. But this whole time, it's like just building, building, building. And the fact that when they're in that cabin and stay in the night together for the first time in separate beds, of course, the next morning, the police are looking for, you know, Ellie trying to locate her. And she... Has to hide, so her and Clark Gable just pretend that they're like you know a married couple, screaming at each other, bickering at each other, mm-hmm. and uh, he's yelling at her, talking down to her, like you know you would expect most men probably would in 1934, um, and putting her in her place. And it is such a funny scene. So when they hear a knock, like the police leave, and they hear that knock again, and they go right back into the fight. Yeah. I love it. And he's just like, quit your balling, quit balling. I love it so much. It's a scene where they find their attraction, like it's like. Through faking it, they they pick up on it, and they're like, "Hey, you're pretty good." And I, I like it. I love that the, the movie's smart and playing it in vignettes. I mean, the bus takes a big chunk of it, but then we move them to like the hitchhike scene. Then they have a little traveling scene where they're walking. They have another cabin scene. They have, you know, just different areas to just you know, it's gonna be a lot. This is a, a movie about a conversation because he's getting his story, but. We got to move them into different places and have them bouncing off a different scenario that's coming after them. While there's there's this there's a there's a place they got to get to, but there's also an outside force coming in to get them, and um, so it kind of plays on a timer. Um, and I, but the I definitely closer like they it. get to the end, like even she is the one to say, "Hey, I have feelings for you." Yeah, and I like that because uh, you would think it would be the guy that tries to make them move, but he to beg her to come off the. Yeah, the marriage. Yeah, and he's just respected that the entire time. So as soon as she shows interest, though, 
Yeah, you have that total, almost like the miscommunication or the misunderstanding. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, crap, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to marry her. I'm going to propose to her. I'm going to do this. And of course, she thinks he leaves. So she's like, oh, oh crap, I'm going back to uh, the other guy. Um, but we see this a lot in movies where she's, you know, making a confession to her dad that she's like, oh, man, I really like this guy. And I don't know what to do. And um which reminded me of the wedding singer, Julia Gulia, yeah. talking to her mm-hmm. mom. Like, I fell in love with the wedding singer. And that happens a lot. Um, I feel like in movies, I, I love Spaceballs is basically this entire movie. <laughs> this <laughs> movie know, is Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. to God Prince. <laughs> because she thinks, oh, he's only doing it for the money. He wanted the reward. Fine, I'm getting married. Yep. What a dick. And all Clark Gable wanted Peter, the character, was reimbursed for everything he spent on his journey. Oh, yeah, with, loved that. Um, Ellie, he's like, I don't need this money. I just want compensation for the money I already paid. Yeah. Thirty-nine fifty or something. It yeah, was, yeah. Dollars. And then, yeah, the dad tells the girl, like, which I'm sorry, if you, if my daughter was getting married, I would wait, or I wouldn't wait until she's like walking down the aisle to be yes. like, hey, yeah. crazy. You go and interrupt, like immediately, and go, hey, I need to talk to you. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, I also loved when the father was asking Ellie about this other man because I love that the father hated the fiance or the well, the husband so yeah. much that he's like rooting for a stranger at this right, point. Right? Yes. Was it, that was before the that was before the thirty nine fifty even the, the him at Clark Gable even meeting the man meeting the father. So he's having this conversation. Wait, you love somebody else? Who is this man? And then she's like. Well, you didn't answer my question. Do you love him? He's like, oh, he's so insufferable, and I just can't stop <laughs> about. Well, do you love him? Well, it's just I hate this man who calls me a brat. But you <sighs> didn't, ask, and he keeps it, like his persistence of like, like she's saying everything. Like he's like, no, he hates me, and he left me, and he calls me a brat and entitled and thinks you're awful. But do you love? And it's just, <laughs> I love how insistent he is of pushing to get her to say what she's feeling, which is amazing, but also so humorous that like the unknown man is still a better option than this. <laughs> the other unknown man who is now. not in the it's wealthy hilarious. class of what they are, because I mean, a celebrity back then wasn't just. I mean, we still have it now, but like heiresses and heirs and stuff were like huge. Uh, celebrities back in the day with yeah. you know they who who was going to inherit this money or this business those were those are big time people along with like actors and stuff like that but i mean at this time like the film actor wasn't even yet to pierce a uh, place of respect it was still stage and stuff and then then it's like well if you're a film actor you're fine baby you're all you're on tv that's uh, you know like never respecting the uh the art and craft of things for the longest time that takes through like i mean i there's even stories of like the 60s and stuff when if you're right if you're a writer on film or television it's not serious writing or whatever you're doing but there's always that misunderstanding that gets them separated just like on the notebook sorry james marsden she didn't know that he wrote letters to her every single day for a year so (laughs) now she's breaking up and going back with ryan gosling Um, but that's the other thing that's confusing, though, because technically the man that she was going to be with was like a noted, like big name, big talk of the town. Right. And you would think, though, back then, or at least even nowadays, too, there is a certain level of like if you're a notable figure, 
you want to pair with other notable figures rather than like an ordinary person. And yet for some reason in this movie, the father, I guess would, I mean, he didn't know anything about Peter's character really. Um, But did he think that Peter's character would have been a notable figure? Because I feel like why wouldn't he want his daughter to be with like he, like the father biased journalism. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I'm just surprised because usually weddings back then, especially with daughters, which still happens, but not as much, um, being treated more like property, which, I mean, again, got phased out in the 20th century a little bit better. But Mm -hmm. um, this idea of like weddings of convenience and weddings to join families of prestige. um, So it's surprising that the father would be so like rooting for love for his daughter than a potential like prestige wedding which i think would be uncommon for the time so this movie i feel like pushed a lot of boundaries with its sexual like kind of which it's not even sexual at all but still showing a leg sexual taking off a shirt sexual um but like also rooting for love and not rooting for prestige um which i think would be controversial in the 1930s yeah i I just took it as like the aviator guy like perhaps he was kind of a slime ball like he loved the limelight or love being flashy, maybe. So he was not marrying for love, but more for almost like money and attention, which is how I'm telling myself this. So again, I could cheer for Peter. Oh, um, I agree with that. Like, well, the father even says, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he'd leave yeah, for uh, like a 10 buck or whatever. Like, I don't even know yeah. what he said, but I mean, the father genuinely believes that you could pay this man off and he would be gone, which essentially is what actually happened at yeah. the end of the movie. Like, are they, here's a hundred grand, and the guy goes, all right, and, like, leaves. Yeah. So, are, they, are they, like, suggesting this guy is, like, her passing up Charles Lindbergh for this newspaper writer? Because at the time, Lindbergh probably was quite the celebrity, aviator. Oh, I wonder. Oh, he, I mean, Lind, everybody knows the name Lindbergh, so, yeah. yeah. I have to wonder oh, if that's he, what they're trying to infer here is, like, oh, she's passing up on, like, a Lindbergh type for this little crackpot reporter. Like what you yeah. said, Greg, the dad grilling the daughter saying, do you love him? Do you love him? He does the same thing to Peter. And, of course, Peter's just complaining about how annoying she is. And she's such, a, you know, a brat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's like, but do you love her? Exactly. And it's like, look at this fiery passion between these two. <laughs> um, and maybe because he sees him being respectful. He's not about money. He had some yeah. integrity. And he knows well, how his daughter integrity. already feels. Yeah. Integrity is crucial in this one because honestly, any man, because there was a reward and it was very public in the whole thing. And he was like, well, you got my daughter back. And she said, you can have whatever you want. And she's like, I don't want anything. I just want my time back. He basically is like, I want my time back. But he doesn't even want that. At the, at the bottom line is he wants the girl. Like he wants this woman that he fell in love with. He's just being stupid man and just and saying, I just want my $39 and want to forget this whole thing even happened. Because he put his neck on the line with his boss. And the fact that even the boss had a chance, like, I want to read what Peter wrote. I want to read that article <laughs> so bad that even his boss had a change of heart when, like, he was like, call the police. Peter took $10,000 from me, changed the papers, blah, blah, blah. And then he, like, digs the, like, article <laughs> out of the trash and rereads it. And then when Peter dropped off the money, he was just like, oh, yeah, I guess this really is true. Like, what? It just seems very strange. The quick tur- like change of heart. And then even like telling Peter is like, give me a call when like when you sober up a little bit and all is forgiven with Peter. So that article must be so good that it forgives 
him having to change the press and and all his drunken antics. Like, I want to read this article. Um, but then he got married. So I wonder I wonder if she let him um, Ellie let him write the article after they got married. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if like that actually happened or would she be like, you can't use our love story for public. Like, I don't know. Was that a fight? Can we get a sequel? Like it, it happened just- the next day. <laughs> I'd watch it. Like, I want to know. Um, and it was so cute the way they did the ending with the trumpet. Oh, my gosh. Because it was like their fake ser- because you know that was like, oh, they're about to have sex. Jericho down. Oh, yeah. It goes. <laughs> yep. And it's it was like, a subtle little thing about like them having sex. And I was like, ooh, get I it. I love the way they used to do that. Like a uh, north by northwest where the train goes in the tunnel. Um <laughs> I, I love that shit. That's it's just so funny. Um it's like so obvious, but like you know it went over so many people's heads back then too, because they weren't, you know. Some, I mean, people got it, but like, I'm sure some people went over their heads. Or if you took a kid to a movie, they they didn't know what that meant. I feel like a lot of people can watch this movie. I hope, even though it's black and white, it's like, look, turn on the subtitles, close caption, because they do talk fast, sounds a little off. You're going to hear a lot of sayings that make no sense, like gas house palooza or something. You're going to look it up like, what the heck does this even mean? Palooka. I'm Googling stuff. I'm like, what the heck's a palooka? But apparently it was something in a comic strip. And he was in newspapers, so maybe that's what it was about. Um, But no, I feel like this is something you can watch and still enjoy. I've Mm -hmm. seen it a few times, and I watched it again. And I'm still, like, giggling during certain scenes. And it just makes me smile real big. I'm giddy again. It's like, uh, again, return to me when I'm watching that. Like, when they start having the conversation, you know, guy meets girl and their first sparks. I'm giddy, and I love that feeling. I love that in rom-coms because um, I want to laugh. I want to cheer for them. Um, yeah, usually they always end up together. Usually there's going to be a guy that gets left or cheated on and we don't ever care about, James Marsden or Prince Valium or... Um, <laughs> Valium, yeah. <laughs> or the aviator. Yeah, yeah, you know what I realized? <laughs> Usually it's the woman, it's the like another woman that gets dumped in movies like The Wedding Planner, mm-hmm. um, Matthew McConaughey's fiance, like a lot of other movies. It's the other woman, like Parent Trap, which is not really a rom com, but still, like, um, usually the woman gets screwed over. And in this one, the man gets embarrassed. This movie was really ahead of its time. Like, the more no, you think it, about it, yeah, how did we go backwards so much, um, in certain ways? Um, when this one had a fiery woman that, and it wasn't afraid to embarrass a prominent man. Like I'm shocked actually thinking about it going in the thirties. We were like, women could go travel on their own and embarrass men. And then the fifties happened and like, you don't leave the kitchen. Like, is all of this a response to that movie? Like did men like feel emasculated after like, um, this movie and then suddenly like start cracking down afterwards? Like what happened? Like Peter no, even makes know. her breakfast. He's like, yes. okay, you're only going to get this and this because you get, we're on a budget. So here's your rations. And she's just like, yeah, like she's just getting taken care of, but like in a nice way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Versus like, you know, you do all the domestic stuff and make food, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just, yeah, it was really, it is really a role reversal. Oliver. It, it, yeah, I really. And um, even the way, and Peter even has the moment describing what love is to him before she confesses her love 
to Peter. Like Peter's the one, like I want to give the stars and the thing. And it's just, she's listening to this going like, I've never heard a man talk like that before because you know what? She probably has it. And most people mm-hmm. in this world probably hadn't at that time hear a man be romantic and be passionate and be thoughtful about it and not be like, oh, I want a woman to take care of me. He just, he wants a person he can experience life with. And it's actually really a beautiful monologue that he has that clearly sweeps her off her feet to break the curtain um, and go to his bedside um, in a non-sexual big pajama sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, And he never was trying to get in her pants. It's like the the biggest thing that I feel like, I mean, even if you're on the road that long, she's that attractive, you know, it's like, come on. I would find that hard to believe. So yeah, I don't know. It's same thing with David Duchovny in Return yeah. to Me. He's yeah, not like exactly. pushing to try to get in her pants. He's very respectful. It's very innocent. Um, although Maybe they're he's in- dating as opposed to like on the journey, but it's respect the entire way, which, I, you know, you have to have a, someone you respect as a partner for it to work out, especially in a rom-com. <clears throat> or you end up switching partners like in the movie Enchanted or uh, oh. The Family Stone. I maybe Family Stone rom com, but you know, maybe he's inexperienced yeah. and he keeps away from the because he doesn't want to make a wrong move. He's a, he's afraid of maybe she's more experienced than I am, and in the Dick Covney's case as well, because the Covney's oh, been yeah. with one person since he was yeah. 15, mm-hmm. and then yeah. Gable is this drunk loner guy that maybe has been focused on work and he's just scared of the move because. The the woman exudes like, oh, she's more experienced than I am. Or I she's can't been, sleep with I can't sleep or, with my subject matter. I'm at a certain yeah. age. That was my integrity as yeah, a writer. There you go. Or you know, I'm at a certain point in my experience. Like I am been like this. You know, like in Duchovny's case, he's older, and like he's been. Yeah, I've been out. Yeah, so maybe it's that's that's the honesty coming out in the characters. Rather, I don't know. They're hesitant. Yeah. Because if I, if I screw up with our first sex, then it's over. You know, like <laughs> that's that's the male thought. Interesting. Straight people relationships are so fascinating. <laughs> um, but then uh, now I'm thinking that David Duchovny then would have only known one woman for 25 years. Yeah. If he's 40. In, if, if he's playing 40, if he's actually like, playing, maybe he's playing yeah, 35. Yeah, but still 20 years of only yeah. knowing one person and only knowing one person from the age of 15 where you're not experienced. Um, right. You're you're experiencing everything just with one person. You're growing with just one person. So maybe what him and his wife had was mind-blowing because they knew each other's bodies so well by that point. But yeah, with a new person, if you only have that one person, you don't know what to do. So yeah, you but, start realizing okay. I missed a whole era of life that a lot of people experienced. And yeah, yeah, that's why the hand holding just like breaks my like in the sweetest way in Return to Me. He just can I hold your hand because like that's really that's his foundation because fifteen that's what he did probably to meet mm-hmm. his wife. Now twenty five potential years later. He met a new girl and he just wants to hold her hand and it's just like, yes, yes, where is this? Um, but I think even if you are experienced, there's something so sweet about just holding somebody's hand. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm going to cry again. Keep going. <laughs> uh, that's all I have on it. All right. Um, yeah, I hope you guys liked watching it again. Oh, yeah. I love I'll um, watch this one. Any I'll watch this one anytime. 
I actually, I actually watched this one twice. <laughs> so, oh yay! Yeah, I watched it one and a half times. I like, I watched it and then I had to stop it. And then I was like, I'm not going to continue. I'm just going to start it from the beginning again. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it uh, once over the weekend, and then uh, I had it on background while I was working from home today. So I was like, all right. So, yeah. But quit your uh, ball, like quit your ball. Sorry. <laughs> Love the fight. Oh. That scene was so good. They did it so naturally, too. Even though it was scripted, it still felt real. Like, the way she just played off of it. And there are people I've met where I'm like, just go with me here. And certain people can do it and certain people can't. And I just love their dynamic that she just didn't question it and just leaned into it. It was great. And you knew it was going to work out, one, because it's a movie. And two, <laughs> everyone that ran into this couple along the route assumed they were, like, a newly married couple. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that that's glow, a trope, that too. Spark. It's like, oh, you guys are just such a great wedding singer. Oh, no, we're brother and sister. You're like Donald and Yvonne, Bert and Lonnie. <laughs> I um, keep comparing it to wedding singer, but I mean, they take a lot of the, I mean, that's the whole I mean, movie yeah, trope, uh, Sandler so. borrows from classic stuff all the time. So, yeah, it's oh, yeah. no surprise. Um, oh, the one thing that we didn't touch on in this, which was interesting, when there was the slight villain character that showed up on the bus, who was oh, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. up with the reward, and the way Clark Gable, that was something I totally forgot about because it's been so long, and like how clever that was handled. I, I didn't know how Clark Gable was going to get out of it. I didn't know how Peter was going to get out of it because I forgot, because clearly he does. And the way he handled it by basically being by making himself into a villain um, and scaring the other guy away by being a worse man than him was a plot twist I didn't see coming. He's like, yeah, we already got it for more money and we're going to get a thing. And then he's like, so you better not run. And then he like pretends to have a gun and like scares the man to go run away in the woods. Um, So it was interesting that this man with integrity then creates a villain character in order to protect the person that he's like with was fascinating and a very clever way to handle that which i think would be a realistic scenario to happen because if you are as we see in other genre movies about like wanted people and everybody being like who can get to them um it was a really clever way to like be create a character worse than the one that trying to come for you and i I thought it was really clever so yeah that was I feel like that was maybe even, I don't know if that was done in other movies before this, but I feel like that like kind of scene was taken and used for like other genres of like Westerns and other things, just because it was a really clever way to interpret reward systems and and um, fending off people. I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was really brilliant. Anyway, that's it. Okay, and that'll end us here on part two. So next week, stay tuned for part three, where we're going to spin the wheel, and obviously it's landing on my pick, but what movie is that? What movie could it be? Stay tuned as Greg, Jessica, and I wrap up uh, this session of Rom-Com Roulette. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, let me know. Uh, comment on YouTube. Hit me up on social media at BrandForkyUHD. And, of course, stay tuned to next week for more Rom-Com Roulette. And until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. 
theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.